Future Hacker Life Path Future. Welcome back, everybody. This is the second episode with Juliana Prozepio. We ended the first episode talking about the many types of fears that makes a company a little more afraid of change and afraid of, of innovating and being open to new ideas. Fear of change, fear of being accountable, and I think we all know that. So, Juliana, what I'd like to ask you next is what could we do to make our environment a little more open to innovation? How to, you know, diminish this this fear of change and and make people more accountable and more open to the new? Thank you, Maria. Um, I'm glad you're asking that now because in the last episode, we ended on a, a bit sad, right? So it's all about fear. So now we're going to be a little bit more hopeful. So what are the things that we can do to make innovation happen and to, to have people more open for this kind of initiatives and practices and mindset? I think the first one that really creates more safety for innovation is to have created discipline for innovation. And creating a discipline for innovation might look a little bit weird because innovation means doing things differently. But the discipline for innovation doesn't mean that you're going to be like put in a box, right? But actually, you want to create a system that gives resilience and that can overcome the challenges of innovation. So basically, by creating discipline for innovation, you are creating guidelines, structures, and processes that will help you guide your innovation process so that your team can have this safety in this process. So you have to create creative confidence and you need to create small initiatives at the beginning so that then later you can scale and grow. So in this way, in creating this innovation disciplined, the innovation will be more spread and more distributed in, in the organization. This is one way, right? And you're going to be trying to spread innovation all around the organization, creating this language and process for innovation. The other way that maybe you want to do is if you create something like an invisible space. So it's kind of like a hidden space where innovation can happen, but free of the traditional bureaucracy that you might need to follow in your organization. So it's kind of like creating this space for experimentation where the rules doesn't apply there, right? So that's why it needs to be an invisible space because not many people can know about it, otherwise they will block it um, and they, they won't happen. So as an invisible space and an area that works with innovation process with freedom to innovate, you can actually experiment new things and you can fail without the whole organization being afraid of it. And only when you are successful, Then you showcase this to everyone else and then you scale it. And then, of course, you can also create speculations and then you can try to create different experiments. And basically, these, these are the, the tips that I would give you to try to open your team and your organization to become more open and have a better mindset and process for innovation. Really great tips. Thanks for that, Juliana. So I'm, you know, being future hacker, we always have to ask these questions uh, about the new technologies that are out there, right? So how do you see all those new technologies, you know, machine learning, artificial intelligence, um, you know, blockchain that is being applied to 
everything we could think about. How do you see they changing the way that we currently interact and create with design? So I read this article written by Rob Gerling, which he discusses how artificial intelligence is changing the profession. You know, like any article about artificial intelligence talks about, you know, it's changing all future jobs at the end. So he talks about how everyone will be a designer by having access to tools and knowledge. Designers as curators instead of creators and how new technologies will amplify the designer's capability to a level that we wouldn't be able to process only using our brain, right? So what's your thought on that? I definitely agree that um, these technologies, artificial intelligence with machine learning and all of these other things, they are changing our profession for sure. I definitely agree with that. As we know, there was a big change in the design profession when the industrial revolution came. There was a big change in our profession when there was this digital revolution. And there is a big change now that we are having technologies that are generative. But what I don't agree is that we're going to become necessarily curators. And I don't know exactly what was said in this article, so I'm not sure if that's really, if I don't really agree, I would have to read it. But I don't think we necessarily as designers are going to become curators. We can, but I think what is going to happen is that we're going to become co-creators. And what I mean by that is that we are going to be co-creating solutions together with these technologies. So there is this concept called collective intelligence and collective intelligence means that you are co-creating solutions between machine learning, artificial intelligence and humans. So it's a collaboration of these, these two, let's say, intelligences and they're, they are working together. And this is not far, to be honest. I don't know, we might be scared about it, but to be honest, if you use, for example, Grammarly, that is a, a software that helps you to write in English, it suggests how you write. So you are already co-creating. So it's an aid. I think it's going to be more like that than actually us only curating. But I think I know why, why Rob might have said that. Because as designers, one of the big parts of our job is to frame the challenges, is to make the input and that's maybe why he's saying that we're going to be becoming more curators. Because basically, if we're going to be using these kind of technologies, the input that we put in these technologies are going to be the most important bits because it's going to determine what is the output for sure. So maybe that's what he means by being curators. This is going to be a much more important, I think, role of our job. And I do agree with that because we're going to have to be very conscious about what we are curating to input this in these kind of technologies and that it's going to be determining everything else. So I think I might understand in this way, but I think we're going to be co-creating more and more. And I mean, for me, this is the definition of generative design. So it's designs, our creations that can design things by itself. But I think that if we are smart <laughs> and if we're intentional, we should be co-creating things with these new technologies and not necessarily the other way around. I think we should be very careful and be trying to intentionally get there. Great. I'd like to mention a quote that is said during TEDx event. It said the following, we live a lot in the present of the past, but we don't live in the present of the future. 
I think the TEDx was in, in Portuguese, so I'm sorry if I, if I translated it badly, so please feel free to, to say it in a better way. So my question to you is the following. With COVID, I think it, it got it really clear that, you know, we, we definitely need to, to start changing this pattern and spending more time imagining the possible futures with all the uncertainties that we're living with to try to get prepared, at least to have plan A and B and C. So do you think that, you know, there has been a changing mindset since then? And if I'm not wrong, I think this TEDx is back from 15 or 16. It's, it's been a while. So I wonder if you think there's been any type of change. And also, you mentioned how we are still attached to our past models. And one of your examples is the education system. So no, first we talk about the mindset, but our listeners already learned that, you know, education for me is one of my very, very favorite topics. So I'd love to know your view about the, the future of education. So what's your thought about the education of the future? Thank you, Maria. You translated it perfectly. And what I mean by that, so the first bit, what I mean by that about we leave the present of the past and not the present of the future is because traditionally, We base all of our decisions and our understandings and our business decisions and our personal decisions in what happened in the past. And we usually don't make decisions basing in possibilities. And the present of the future, let's say if you lived in the present thinking more about the future, about the possibilities, you will be living more in this way. And the problem and the difficulty with that is because we usually make decisions based on, on data. And these data, it's based on what happened in the past one year, five years, 10 years, 30 years. But it doesn't take into consideration events that might change everything or what are all of these weak signals that are out there or the possibilities that are out there. So it means that we are going to be repetitively continuing to do what we were doing, right? So it's going to be a very linear way of thinking about your lives, your future, your possibilities. And it's, and it's, to be honest, it's not only sad, but it's dangerous because if we make our decisions only based on what happened in the past, we can never change or, or alter society. And this happens a lot. I see this happens in trajectories of people, in trajectories of organizations and in trajectories of countries and, and of politics. Oh, this didn't work. So let me go back to what I know. And then it's worse, right? Usually it's worse. And it's very dangerous, these kind of things. So this connected to the future, I think, of education. I think that what we could, if all of these past months taught us anything, is that we can work, learn differently than what we were doing before. So everyone sitting in a room, the teacher speaking to everyone else. I think that the future of education, if we could speculate, I'm not saying that this is a prediction because I don't necessarily think that the best way to think about the future is only about predicting it. I think it's good, of course, you need to be prepared about all of the things that are more probable, but you can also try to articulate and speculate what could be. So the future of education, I think it would be very much connected to different shapes of learning that it's not only in person, obviously. And I think we will be learning more and more to divide what is content and deep content that you can learn by yourself, depending on your age, obviously. But for adults, 
what are the things that you can learn by yourself and that can be used virtual reality or even just videos or you can even kind of use this pop-up with augmented realities and what are the moments that you need to have this collaboration that is multi-peers so i think that we are in the brink of doing that there is also this big movement on higher education about micro-credentials so the big universities for example they usually had traditional paths on on learning, let's say, for the courses, right? So I'm going to be following a degree on A, B, or C. But if we can approve this way of thinking about micro-credentials, then we would be able to create much more diverse paths of education. And then we might be able to prepare our, our future, let's say, workforce and future entrepreneurs, maybe, much better. Because as we know, whatever we are teaching now might not be what we need in the future. And I think that the future of education as well, I think it will be more and more distributed. I think that we created a spaces for learning that I think they will continue for sure. And they should. <laughs> I'm not saying that they should not exist. I think they should exist. And they are amazing places. I love going to these institutions for learning, like universities and these kind of things. But I think that it will be more distributed in ways that it could be happening in micro communities and at your homes or maybe peer to peer. So this will be more and more intense with this connection of being online. You can learn globally and this will be changing a lot how we see education. And of course, I do believe a lot in lifelong learning. This is for me something that this is not new. But this, I think it's only going to be increasing. It's actually a must today, right? Like this is something that you, you can't, you have to start doing that now, right? Immediately. Yes, yes, I do absolutely agree with that. And I think we need to be, if we think about the future in terms of our workforce, for governments, for countries, for your own organization, whatever, if we don't create these learning opportunities, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really tough. If we don't change some things, there might be a very bad scenario that we don't have people prepared to navigate the, the work and the, the jobs of the future. And it's not that far, to be honest. Exactly. So let's keep the future subject here. So, you know, when talking about future scenarios, for people that have been following Future Hacker for a while, we've talked to all sorts of futurists here from Israel, the US and France, you know, everywhere. And we've heard many different methodologies naturally, right? So we talk about drawing different scenarios, planning the course to action to each of them, or maybe just choosing one desirable future and aiming to that one, or even using sci-fi to illustrate the possible futures, prototyping, prototyping, so I'd love to know what's your style or what are your styles, depending on the situation you are. That's, that's a good question. Look, I, I, I believe in maybe all of the above, all of the ones that you, were, that you were just saying, because basically I think that for us to work with futures and to think about futures, we need to be prepared and we need to open and speculate opportunities. But my, my personal, uh, and this is a methodology that we work at Echoes, together with our clients, helping them to design future scenarios. We believe a lot in designing desirable futures. And basically how we do that, first, we need to understand what are the emerging technologies 
and what are the emerging needs and behaviors and changes in society. And these are the two key things that are going to be helping us. So first is trends in terms of technologies, economy, and all of these things, like more like the foresight approach. And the other part that is more about the design part is understanding the human and social societal uh, needs. And in between these two things, if you are designing a future vision for an organization, for sure, or for a government or for a city or for a community, whatever it is, there is also one bit of these triangulation of things that you kind of do the speculation and, and create your future vision that it's about the intent. So in between these three things, then I think that we can design desirable futures. So I think the big thing for me in terms of methodology is that we don't want to necessarily predict the future. We want to create it. And we need to see the future always as a possibility and not as a prediction. And what I mean by that is that if you do this kind of work and then you work with futures and, and you try to create a future vision and be prepared, you're going to be having multiple scenarios. You're not going to be working with a future. You work with futures with an S in the end. And then you are A, more prepared if anything goes through, I don't know, to another side. And B, you can try to nudge the path. So you can try to influence and create steps to influence the future. And I think lastly, the, the thing that I, that I would say is that for us to, to think about the future, we need to be careful. Not be careful in a way that don't do it, but be careful in a way that be very responsible about it and think about diversity, think about the privileges and invite everyone who is part of this future to participate in the construction and the building of this future vision. Because in a way, and I really like this kind of saying that every design of a future is a political act and it's not innocent and it creates effects. And what I mean by that, I'm not saying political means of, oh, this is this political party. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that even through when you are speculating, creating futures, even if it's only a narrative, even if you don't think about it, you're going to be pushing because sometimes we, we nudge futures as well. If you're only creating a narrative, a narrative can be very powerful and can influence a lot what the future might look like and what we might unfold. So history tells us over and over again how much, for example, science fiction influenced how we develop our technologies, how it influenced our decisions in wars, how it influenced our decisions in the next step. So if when we create these narratives and when we think about futures, it will create an effect, positive, negative, neutral, I don't know. So we need to be very responsible. So we need to be dealing a lot. We need to be inviting a lot of people to collaborate with this future of, with this design of futures. Otherwise, we are going to be continue to be creating future visions that are skilled, that are autocratic, that are dystopian, and that are not desirable at all, right? And we have been doing that because we, it's much easier to create visions of the future that are dystopian, that are not good, that are pushing fear, because it's easier, it draws more attention and things like that. But if we keep seeing these visions only, we're going to get there. Uh, that's, my, that's my fear. So, you know, I think then I, I have to ask you a last question, which is going to be very personal. And it has to do exactly with what you said. But how do you feel about our future? So do, do, do you feel that we're headed 
to this darker dystopian path. I mean, the, the possibilities are all there, but how do you feel about it? Or, or, or do you think that it's reachable, it's something that will be able to get there to this more sustainable, the solar punk, right? The, the more sustainable and inclusive world that we aim to. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious because most of our guests, I ask this question, but it's amazing how I have a, the Young Hacker series, so which I'm talking to kids between 12 and 20 years. It's just beautiful how optimistic they are. And then going to the, you know, an older generation of more experience and I have seen it all and things like that. Sometimes it changes. Working in your field, what are you seeing out there and how does it make you feel? Look, working in my field, the thing is, I think I am in a bubble, to be honest, in a positive, optimistic bubble because I keep working to try to create desirable futures, right? So that's what I see and try to do in my, in my practice every day. And to be honest, as a designer, I think that we are always optimistic. So I tend to be a bit more optimistic. So I, we try to create changes that are going to be like changing existing conditions into preferred ones. So that's our, our main, let's say, essence and what I believe in. So my vision for the future and I got a little bit stumbled upon when the pandemic came. I became a little bit more skeptical, I think, but I think I'm regaining my, <laughs> my optimistic side again. And I think what honestly, what could happen is that we're going to have pockets of both things happening. I think we're going to have pockets of these really dystopian futures happening. And we're going to have pockets of really amazing virtuals and beautiful things happening that that might emerge from it and it might be hard for us to see that now because we are still living the pandemic and we are still suffering a lot of the changes and the fears and and what technology might do wrong but i honestly think that if we push and if we try to create something a society that is more diverse a society that is more tolerant, more welcoming, and that has better ways of distributing income and better ways of making money and, and the minimum, let's say, go around, I think we could get to a very interesting future. And as we know, if we look in, in the past, we have been evolving as a society in our countries, no matter what they are becoming, if you look like eight, like many, many years ago, we are healthier, we are living longer. So I am kind of optimistic, but I think, to be honest, I think there will be pockets. So there will be these kind of scenarios and concepts and depending on which reality you are, it can be very hard or it can be very good. So I think it would be more extreme in a way for both ways. Juliana, it was lovely, lovely talking to you today. Thank you so much for being with us. Wishing you all the best. Thank you, Maria. It was my pleasure. It was very fun, and I hope you all enjoyed it. Future Hacker. Life. Path. Future.